Jessica spun around to face herself in the mirror, her eyes widening as her fingers flew to her hair. It was black, raven black, just like the picture in Vogue. Jessica could hardly believe her eyes. For the first time she could remember, her skin looked pale, delicately, exotically pale. Her eyes were the bluest she had ever seen them and were outlined dramatically with black pencil. Soft, dull red lipstick completed the look. She looked foreign, slightly Eastern, and incredibly sophisticated. Wow, Jessica breathed, turning her head slightly to examine herself from another angle. Lila, I look so, so... You look fantastic, Lila said admiringly, and you sure don't look like a Wakefield. Jessica leaned forward and smiled. She sure didn't. The old Jessica Wakefield was gone for good. No one would ever mistake her for Elizabeth again. Whose idea was Are you a Jessica or an Elizabeth? I can't wait till Jessica and Elizabeth murder each other. <laughs> Wolfields! Her biggest makeover was the time she DIY waxed her vagina and fried her labia. Hey, it's Elizabeth Gomez. Her biggest makeover was the time she got bangs and then obsessed about them for the next decade. Seriously, everyone, she was being like a real asshole about it. <laughs> it's Adrian Gunn. <laughs> and this is Wokefield, where two middle-aged comedians realize all their problems started with Sweet Valley High. Each week, we read a Sweet Valley High novel and talk about how the most beautiful twins in the land, Jessica and Elizabeth, completely fucked up our ideas about being a girl in America. Today, we're talking about the 32nd book in the series, The New Jessica, where Jessica finally gets a personality and, wait for it, it's brown hair. Then we'll welcome our first straight white guy to the pod, Tim Stafford. Tim is a poet, educator, and Chicago Poetry Slam champion, and he's going to try to help us figure out how we can all strive to be the best version of ourselves while still accepting ourselves just as we are. Sounds impossible. <laughs> you know what? I'm super excited to hear what poet Tim thinks about Francie Pascal's figurative language and alliterative wordplay. How about you? <laughs> I don't think any of those things apply to any books that she's ever <laughs> written. And then our resident astrologer, Zane Beeble, is going to give us a breakdown on how the sun, the moon, and the stars have affected the Wakefield twins and how our own signs determine whether or not we could be friends with them. Of course, those bitches are Geminis. All right, Adrian, let's get into it. Here's 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 the book recap. We like to do this at every episode. <laughs> um, so in this book, Jessica dyes her hair brown. The end. <laughs> Did you like this book? I don't know if I liked it, actually. I really found it a little tedious to read through. But let's give our audience yeah, a quick recap. It. You know what? I just want to say I fucking love this book. You did? I, okay, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. <laughs> so, I mean, honestly, everyone, it's, it's basically Jessica dyes her hair brown, becomes a model at a fashion show. It's the same insane I mean, story. sort of. That's really simplifying what happened. So one day, Jessica borrows Elizabeth's peach 
dress. Also, peach dresses. Ooh. Gross. Ooh. No, I that's mean, so, it's so not right. Real bad. So she borrows the peach dress. She goes to school. And then Silver Fox, Roger Collins, is like, hey, Elizabeth. And Jessica loses her fucking mind. Also, if you guys don't know who the hottie toddy Roger Collins is, he is one of the teachers who helps run the ears and eyes column at Sweet Valley High. He runs the Oracle. Yeah. That's a paper. Sorry. Ears and eyes column is the what Elizabeth writes for. Yeah, it's a real bad column, but she writes it. But anyway, so Jessica is mistaken for Elizabeth. She cannot handle it. It's a strange thing to have happened after you've been a twin for 16 years to all of a sudden. (laughs) I mean, literally with no prompting, she loses her mind. She's basically like, oh, no, I look like my sister, my twin. (laughs) (laughs) And then she comes up with this idea to uh, do a slumber party or like a a, a sleepover with Lila Fowler. Yes. um, One of the richest ladies or one of the richest teens in Sweet Valley High. When she goes over to the house, she's like, I just think I need a new look. And Lila's like, well, I kind of think we should put some makeup on you. And Jessica's like, no, let's go further. She needs a big look. So they get a Vogue. They look at a Vogue. And I thought this was, you know. I don't know. That was pretty. That was pretty adventurous for Sweet Valley High. I didn't know they had Vogue there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, but they also have Lila Fowler, who gets to have all the clothes, the newest Parisian fashions Girlfriend. that her dad always brings home. Girlfriend, he, he sells computers. And none of it makes sense. But all I want to say is that her dad, Mister Fowler, is clearly a real fashionista because the shit he brings home from Paris is just like deluxe. And I also want to say. I mean, look, I'm not the most cosmopolitan person in the world, but all the descriptions of Jessica's new look as like vaguely European, but then also vaguely Eastern. I'm like, what are what are we supposed to learn here? Is she Russian? Like, what is the look? I was like, is she just like a mixed race, like generic? You know, I always like to call myself uh, ethnically generic. That sounds like what they they were uh, going for. But Jessica says to Lila, like, you know, just a makeover is not going to work with a makeup. And Lila's like, well, you can try these Parisian fashions. Right. Right. After then, we dye your hair black. Well, Je- Jessica, Lila did not want to do that at first. Right. And then Jessica's like, no, I need a real difference. Yes. So they bought a wash in color. <laughs> this part made no sense. They were like, basically, the color is going to stay in your hair like it's Halloween for two washes. Correct. <laughs> and it's going to be black on their like dazzling sun-kissed locks. I was like, how many tweens were led astray about box dye from this book? I was going to also say that obviously they've never used that wash and dye on blonde hair. Because right. Because there is no way you're getting black no. out of blonde hair no. in two washes. No. I was also kind of like, look, I appreciated their ingenuity and DIY attitude but like why did this bitch not go to the salon well once she does <laughs> once she does her hair she comes out and Lila's like oh no your parents are gonna have a fit right and she gets like she's like ah whatever you know like I'm, I'm just a new Jessica now let's go through your clothes well look and you know what that was a real tease because her parents did not have a fit who had the fit Elizabeth Elizabeth had a fit Elizabeth's interpretation of this whole situation was you don't want to look like me Yeah, she was abandoned. And she's like, now we're not twins. Now you're just a twin with darker hair. Yeah, I mean, Elizabeth was real dramatic. Um, And then I thought that Elizabeth, there's a whole gripping of a table situation. Yeah. So Elizabeth, when Jessica returns finally, Elizabeth grabs onto the table to stabilize herself from the shock of the black hair that her sister now has. It wasn't just the black hair, though. It was the coal-rimmed eyes, the red lipstick. And also, I can't believe you haven't brought this up yet. 
um, the pale, pale, pale skin. So we've really gone from like, you know, our other like golden, golden, glistening, glistening to now like pale. Like these, these people are racist. I'm telling you this, <laughs> the whole series of books have always been about how white these girls are. That's, you know, it's, it's hard to disagree with that statement because I really want to tell you though, the descriptions of Jessica's looks. Can I do that? Yes, please. I wrote a couple down. Okay. Because they're just really vivid. Okay. So the first one, a white, really slim cut skirt that was several inches longer than what she usually wore with a white sweater with sequins on it and a white beret. <laughs> she wore this shit to school. No, well, I'm going to tell you, back in the 80s, monochromatic looks were the thing. Yeah. You wore one piece of green. This is you the wore 90s. all green. Okay, this look actually... Wait, how could it have been the 90s? The book started in 83. Oh, we're 32 books yeah, in. Yeah, I think this is the early 90s. But, okay, this Maybe look... Maybe it was like a Colors of Benetton attempt. <laughs> <laughs> a spree. Well, I mean, that makes sense because Colors of Benetton was the first time probably where we saw a lot of people with not white skin. <laughs> yeah, true. I mean, all I got to say is I love that Jessica wore white beret to fucking school. Yeah. But this outfit, I'm actually sort of into. Are you ready? Yes. An olive green leather skirt with a slit up the back, matching hose with a lacy pattern and three-inch heels, a silky oversized blouse and green leather belt worn on her hips, a chunky necklace with big gold earrings. This is a straight up Whitney Houston look. Yes, girl. I'm into it. I'm like, she looks hot in this. Whitney Houston would rock that look. Yes. And here's a look that you would wear. A black silk jumpsuit with red high-heeled boots. I have that. I have that look. Yeah. I have it at home. That one was hot. There was also a look that I couldn't find on my rewatch, uh, like when I was flipping through the book, where she had zebra boots on. Yes. Do you remember that? I do. And Fucking I like hot. a zebra print a lot. Fucking um, hot. One of the things that happens with Jessica, though, is now that she's walking through this school, and I don't really know if this has ever happened to me as like a personal experience, and <laughs> and, 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 and maybe it has to you, Adrian, because I... <laughs> I do look at you and I'm like, she's white and she is stunning. <laughs> um, so I don't know. But uh, Jessica shows up at school and causes a ruckus. A ruckus. Like a, a flood of students <gasps> surround her what? to talk about how gorgeous <gasps> she suddenly looks. It's amazing. I mean, I will say that has never happened to me, but it has always been a life goal of mine. To like have people be impressed, just to disrupt, <laughs> just to, just disrupt uh, an educational moment Ugh. for your hot looks. I mean, you know what? She was serving look. Well, I mean, she Good has for brown her. hair. Good for her. <laughs> That's what happens. She has brown hair, and all of a sudden, everyone's like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, you're but stunning. listen, you know what? When she got her brown hair, she got a fucking personality. I would argue this is the first book where we ever see Jessica have a personality that isn't. I'm a sociopath. I want to fuck this guy. That is true. But Elizabeth is very upset about this whole situation because, you know, Elizabeth still looks like her twin self. And she's like, why doesn't Jessica want to look like me? And then she feels like Jessica's kind of like separating herself from her, which is like very terrible for somebody who's extremely codependent. (laughs) (laughs) Where your whole life is, as you guys know from a previous episode, um, where you're kidnapped. And the first (laughs) thought is, my sister's going to be mad because I was late for the party. (laughs) Um, and she ends up having, this is like a total B plot, but she has a diary that she writes this whole experience. Yeah. In, she's got a journal and then she puts it off and like leaves it in the Oracle it gets lost. in the Oracle classroom. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, 
Jessica has decided that she is definitely made for being a model. She yes. is a model material. Yes. yes. Evangelista, you're out. The best part about it is she's going to be the most 80s, 90s model ever because her modeling gig is going to be no. a fashion show at the mall. But she's not going to have that modeling gig because she looks too exotic for the mall. Right. Because what they really want is... Elizabeth. They know Elizabeth. They want all American size six good looks. Fresh, <laughs> blonde, blue eyed. And when Jessica realizes, when she goes to audition for this uh, modeling gig, yeah. and they're like, no, you're too exotic. You're too hot. Can't deal with you. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, bring in your sister. They see her sister and they're they're like just flummoxed. Right. They're, they're like, this woman, this teenager is the most gorgeous American looking person. She looks like the American flag. And then, <laughs> then, 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 then the Stars and Stripes song goes off. There's fireworks. Dude, the amazing, the best part about it is the two, the dude is like looking at the two girls and he's like, you're not twins. And they're like, yes, we are. And he's like, nope. And then he's, they're like, no, really, we are. And he like mansplains. He's like, there's definitely no way you do her well, the best part of that is the only difference is that she has brown hair and zebra striped boots. And makeup and pale. It is pale, true. Pale, pale, ethereal skin. She's fucking Fiona Apple. She also goes on a diet. Yes. She's got to lose weight. So then Jessica gets super upset, obviously, because she's always upset. And whenever Elizabeth has any kind of attention, Jessica cannot handle it. Never. So Jessica is like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to talk to my sister Elizabeth about what is going on. Because also, she finds the journal that gets yes. returned by another student to the house. And Jessica, of course, reads the journal. Yeah, but only like a page. And she gives her back to her. Which was like, this is the most sympathetic like portrayal of Jessica we've seen. It is the only she, time. She it reads a time. page of it. She doesn't read the whole thing. She gives it back to her. And then she conflict resolves with Elizabeth. It's yes. like, who is this changeling? The brown hair has really brought out her good side. Well, I think also she's motivated by the fact that she now wants to dye her hair back to blonde so that she can pretend to be Elizabeth right. so she can get her modeling gig right. at the mall. The mall. The, also, the one other B story that we have to hit is that Elizabeth has a brand new boyfriend. Bye bye, Todd Wilkins. Now it's Jeffrey. Bye bye bye. Bye. It's now Jeffrey French, as in French kissing. And anyway, he keeps complimenting how Jessica looks. Elizabeth goes fucking crazy and is like, he likes Jessica better. And then she like breaks up with him for a minute and then they work it out where he basically was like, actually, I just found it confusing that you two look alike. <laughs> oh, boy. It was tough for him to handle. But listen, the bottom line is the moral of this story is you don't need a stylized European look when you've got all American good looks. That is true. And also, hay rides aren't for everyone. I'm not going to even tell you guys what that means. You need to read the book. Yeah, I, I agree <laughs> with that. We don't have to go any further. Tim Stafford is a poet and teacher from Lyons, Illinois. He is an editor for the forthcoming Punk Poetry Anthology on Haymarket Books and the host of Twitchy Traveler Podcast, which you will be able to hear right here on this media platform, Shame the Devil. Okay. Yeah. Um, Tim, we are so excited to have you because you're going to be our first cis white dude on the podcast. Okay. Oh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Breaking barriers, you know, it's a new, it, 
Uh, it's a new era. Finally, finally. <laughs> you know, by the time this podcast comes out, I'm assuming you're going to just tell everyone that you created this podcast and it belongs to you yeah. now. Okay. <laughs> Look, Joe Biden's president and we got our very first white guy on the fucking pod. It's great. It's, it's such as such is progress. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I assume this was your first Sweet Valley High novel. What'd you think? Okay. Um, it was not what I thought it was going to be. Um, <laughs> so my sister is two years younger than me. So I definitely remember these books being around. And I, I called my sister when I found out the assignment just to just to kind of get what her reaction was because I was like, these these are. Um, these are horrible people. And, uh, and she, I got it. I was thinking it was more of a babysitter's club type situation. Not nearly that uh, collaborative, Tim. <laughs> no, no. And, and so I had, and I had thought that it was, so I thought it was going to be like that. And it was definitely uh, like a couple of pages in, she talks about how she was the black sheep because she was going to run away to San Francisco with, uh, with Nikki Shepard. And I was like, wow, this is different. <laughs> <laughs> but my sister, I asked her about it because I never read it. Um, I definitely remember them at the scholastic book fairs. Obviously. Because, um, you know, I went to grade school in the, you know, like 80s and, and early 90s. And, and it, it was definitely like there were boys books and girls books. Yeah. And so this was definitely a girls book, um, uh, which is one reason why I didn't read it. But also I didn't read anything. So, no, I didn't read any. Like, I didn't even read the Hardy Boys. I pretended to read the Hardy Boys for uh, book reports and stuff. But, uh, but that, oh, so I asked my sister, I was like, you know, what do you think? And she's like, she's like, I, I couldn't read those books. What? I was like, like my, I, well, I thought like my, like my mom, like her, you know, I don't know. We, we grew up Catholic, so I don't know. Like maybe my mom, there was something about it. Uh, but she was like, no, she's like, I read it. And and the girls were really mean to each other. And yeah, I was like, yes. okay, like that's, that's interesting. She's like, uh, but our cousin did. I have a cousin who is the same age as my sister. And she was definitely more of a Jessica than my sister was. <laughs> so that made, I was like, wow, to, you could totally tell the, the person who read, who was into the Sweet Valley High and the person who was into the Babysitter's Club. I was like, well, wow, like right there. Yes, we, that is we, a good call. Yeah, and we've, we've gotten that feedback before where people were like, oh, I thought it was gonna be like the Babysitter's Club. I will say this this particular episode, this particular book that we read, I was reading it and I was like, this book literally is all about this woman coloring her hair. <laughs> and I was like, it's no wonder that young girls don't know how to science. <laughs> if, if this is what we were brought up to believe and brought up to think is like the pivotal thing to care about. I'm like, of course I don't know how to do algebra. <laughs> It was, it, there were so many things about it that, so it was, well, first of all, just so, ho just like how much looks were, um, how important they were, like not even just to like the characters, but even, you know, like the, the author, they couldn't just say like the teacher or somebody, it was the pretty young French teacher, the attractive <laughs> brown haired senior, the pretty blonde junior. I was like, okay, like that's, I, I, we get it. Like it's full of beautiful people. So I imagine every other person that they, dis that they didn't describe like that were just horribly ugly uh, folks. Yeah. So yeah, it, it was so much hinged on, on her look and it yeah. was, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was amazing. Really, I mean, actually, honest, it was. Honestly, like, I'm like, that's how the world works. <laughs> 
I mean, I think I learned that from this book and I know that's not how the world works in real life, but I, I always think about how formative this shit was for me because I'm like, yeah, being good looking is part of the, you know, cachet. It's the currency of the world. Is it not? Did you, did you find that when you were growing up as like a young teenage boy that people were like, Tim, try to get to be a size six. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I was, um, you know, I am a, I am not a tall person. So like, I would always get like the, the like short jokes and stuff like that, which really, uh, they really had me, um, in a state of, I was not <laughs> liking this because they say, uh, uh, I wrote, I wrote, I took notes. Uh, height <laughs> is so proud of they you. Wrote, hi- Thank you. Height is an important part of elegance. And I was <laughs> very upset. I was very upset to read that. No, I didn't, I didn't have the pressures to, um, didn't have the pressures to, to lose weight or, you know, anything like that, but to have the pressure to have a, a righteous mullet, you know, to have the right, <laughs> poison shirt, you know, um, those were markers, but no, not, uh, not like what they were doing. No, not to that degree at all. I mean, to be fair to men, <laughs> why <laughs> to be fair to men, it is easier to lose weight than to grow inches taller. Okay. <laughs> I mean, sure. Thank you. Sure. I'll take it. I'm just saying that I'm empathizing with your, um, your struggle as a smaller man. <laughs> Thank you. That's that's great. I can't. Yeah. Hey Tim. Oh, um, God. As as a poet, what did you think of the language and the construction of this book? So many adverbs. <laughs> so um, many adverbs. <laughs> in a matter of two pages, they used uh, gaily as a um, as a, as an adverb. I thought that was yeah. pretty cool. And 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 huskily came up a, yes. a couple times. Uh, so there, there were those, those things stuck out. Um, but I mean, they, you know, talk about a cons- writing in a consistent tone and consistent voice <laughs> like that, like all the way through, um, you know, there's like, no, like even when, even when like the characters start to almost do something like decent and nice, they remind you that they are <laughs> uh, pieces of shit. You know, there's the, um, oh, like the whole, um, <laughs> When when Jessica is like when Jessica is um, uh, she wants to be a model and 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 everything and they go and the you know she tries to pull off her new look and they're like oh like sorry that's too extreme and they look at her sister like but you're the one it's like no that's how I naturally look and she's like well I'm gonna pretend to be my sister so that I can. Uh, so that I can get back at her for playing such a dirty trick. It's like, she didn't play a dirty trick. She, you asked her to come like for moral support. And now you're saying that she was like tricking and tricking your, her boyfriend into liking you. And he never did. He always, he always liked her. Uh, so everything was like, oh, we did this together, but uh, I hate her and I'm going to steal her boyfriend. Uh, so, oh, this is poetry. This is. Uh, yeah. Do you guys remember the part where Elizabeth, she reclaims her journal, right? And she goes down to the kitchen in the middle of the night to write in her journal and she cuts an apple and then she slathers it with peanut butter. The description of the apple and the peanut butter like continues on and on. And I just thought to myself, like my MFA workshop could have spent an entire hour on like the symbolism of this apple. And I just, it just, for me, I was like, this symbolizes the entire 
entire writing of this book where like <laughs> there literally makes no sense. Like, why? Why is there two pages on the apple with peanut butter? Do you remember this, Tim, as a poet? I, I do. I do. I remember that. And then I remember, although I did not look at it as being symbolic. I read it as, uh, I read it as like, oh, snap, we need to fill some pages. Um, right, exactly. No, it's I, moving the plot like forward, it, Tim. It's moving the plot forward. But it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. It, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. And and how many times do they have to do they have to bring up that they drive a goddamn Fiat? Like it's <laughs> it's we get it. Like it's just say they drove. It, like it's the red Fiat. It's the red convertible Fiat. The convertible Fiat. Every time it's it's a Fiat. And we're supposed to and they're supposed to play like they play them off like they're you know like they're broke because Lila or whatever her dad goes to Paris and buys her clothes. I gotta borrow her clothes, but I got my Fiat to go. Like get the fuck out of here, come on, <laughs> ladies. What's also super funny about the way that the books are written is that they never give you any specifics. Lila's father sells computers. I don't know very many computer salesmen uh, that go to Paris on the regular and have a mansion in the middle of Sweet Valley High. (laughs) He's also a fashionista. (laughs) Yeah, that was also, I was like, this dude is just going around buying leather skirts in Paris (laughs) for his daughter. Like, I don't have, I don't have a daughter. I don't know, like I have have a son, so maybe that's that's different, but I, I don't, I'm just imagining my father, who worked at uh, Dominic's uh, his entire <laughs> adult life. But, um, like I'm imagining him like going to Europe and and picking out a wardrobe for my sister, and how nightmarish that would be. So maybe he, you know, he's a cultured dude. Um, yeah, it, it was it was really it was yeah that that was weird because um, I felt bad for her. Like oh, I'm gonna go over a lot of this, so she she's gonna let me be the first person to wear these new clothes from Paris. <laughs> and then, and then she's like, and then she like makes fun of Lila. Like they were like, they're like, Oh, she go, Oh, check those out. And she's like, of course, Lila's the first to get in line for free stuff. Like, it's like <laughs> wow. Or that she went alone. She wouldn't give Lila any credit for having loaned her the clothes. She was just like, I'm yeah. not going to tell anyone about the clothes. Also, I love that she was someone was the part where, um, someone was like complimenting her accessory and whatever it was her earrings or whatever. And she's like, Oh, I got those in the left bank. That was amazing. Yeah. And also we have left out the fact that she um, pulled a Madonna and like affected an accent. Yes. Yes. That was super- <laughs> yes. yes. That was super- yeah. No, that was definitely like, I got big vibes of, um, and this was not a phenomenon that was exclusive to my high school, but when, you know, like junior year, you know, when, you know, somebody would go study abroad or they'd go with the, we would have uh, kids would go to Spain for two weeks. And when they would get back from that trip, you know, motherfuckers wearing scarves. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, like, oh, like, oh, my scarf is so nice. And it's like, no, it's not. Like, it's hot. And you're, you're, nah, I couldn't, can handle, I got big vibes about that. But it, but it was also just like how many people, we're just like, oh, she's so like, look at you, like you're so great, and it's, it was ultimately very awesome, but uh, it was very, <laughs> weird. it was very weird. Uh, well, I mean, let's talk about that though. Like Jessica is really, what's she doing? I mean, like if she, this book was written today, she would be an Instagram influencer, one hundred percent. That's like the story that's exactly today. what she's yeah. doing. So, like, let's talk a little bit about building a brand. I know that you personally are, have been doing it. You're, you're a towing, touring poet, and then you are writing. You written a book right or you're working on this anthology tell us about that so i've edited a couple poetry anthologies before for uh called learn then burn for right bloody and uh so haymarket books has a 
uh, an imprint, a poetry imprint called the Breakbeat Poets. And it's been, uh, they've, uh, I think they put out five volumes. The last one that came out was a, a Latinx. It was a, you know, um, anthology of all uh, Latinx authors. They, the first one was Breakbeat. So uh, it focuses a lot on hip hop and hip hop culture. And so they asked me to be, along with uh, Hanif Abdurraqib and Jessica Hopper, to edit a, a punk-themed a book. So a lot of a lot of punk poetry, punk essays, and um, some some punk artwork. And uh, so that's that's been pretty cool. So it was great because like uh, the deadline was November first, which is like you know there was nothing else to stress out about you know, in early <laughs> November. So, uh, but yeah, so that'll be coming out. We we're um, you know part of it is pushing it back to hopefully you know we'll get. Um, a vaccine or something so that we can, you know, go out and really promote the book, but it looks like it's going to be late, uh, fall 2021 or, or, uh, spring 2022 is going to be the, Super the release on it. So, um, I, I love punk and I, I will always, I, I'm always going to wear Converse for the rest of my life because I love the Ramones. <laughs> Let's talk about a little bit about that. Like identifying yourself as, as punk. I mean, was that something that you did when you were also in high school or is that something that you've kind of grown and like accepted as you've gotten older? What is, what's, what's that been for you? I, I mean, I guess like, um, I think to a lot of poets, I'm very punk. Uh, cause they don't, you know, they, cause they, cause I, li- I do listen to punk music and I do, I skateboard and, uh, still I'm old. You've gotta be Gen X. You've gotta be Gen X. Uh, I am, I am 42 years old. So yeah. I am just, uh, yeah, I think I'm, I'm on the cusp, you know, right there. Yeah. In high school, I definitely got into punk rock cause Chicago had such a great, uh, punk rock scene and I got into skateboarding uh, and it was they, you know those were big things for me because you know you know going to high school in the mid 90s it was very and I went to a Catholic high school so it was very uh, football culture very uh, you know drinking culture and and I was never really comfortable with with either of those so um, you know punk was was fun because it was I mean the concerts were great and they were super cheap uh, and there were a ton of shows and uh, it wasn't weird if you didn't drink uh, and it wasn't weird if you didn't do like drugs and stuff. So, um, I, so I kind of fit in pretty, it's, I mean, and anybody like, you know, you can have a stupid haircut and, you know, you can have, you can be, you know, like the, you know, it was great to go to a place where, you know, like the beautiful people didn't really, that wasn't the big thing. You know, like if, if you were, you know, if you were beautiful, okay, like whatever, but that doesn't really, you know, it was like everybody had almost like an, if you were, if you were about it, if you were about the scene and you were like good to the scene and, and you helped out, whether it was you had a band or you went to shows or you put on shows, that was more important than the way you looked or the way you dressed. So that's why, yeah. And then, and then I always stuck with like, you know, like the whole punk like DIY stuff, you know, like so touring as a poet was never a big deal because I was used to getting into a van with a bunch of dudes and, you know, I, you know, Baz and I have talked about this. I would, you know, poetry money seemed really good to me, like going, driving to, <laughs> <laughs> you know, dri- driving to Kalamazoo, Michigan and getting $75, uh, where everyone was like, oh my God, like, dude, we would drive to Southern Illinois, get a hundred bucks and split it as when I was in a band and split it like seven ways. Uh, so that like, like 10 bucks each 
each dude and then a little, then whatever we needed for gas. And then we'd put the other money away, like we'll save this to get t-shirts that nobody will buy. So yeah. Um, so yeah, like my, so the, I've always had that. And I've always still been into punk. I've been into a lot of like other stuff, but I guess like, uh, yeah, as, as you know, when they were looking for people to, to do it, um, you know, to work on that. Uh, and I've always been into the history of it. So, uh, and Kevin Coble who runs it, he, you know, we've known each other for a while. So he, uh, yeah, he asked me to, to kind of spearhead that. And it's, it's been, it's been a journey. It's been awesome, but uh, I'm glad that it's going to finally be out, which is, which is great. So, so. But I'm so you, excited about that. Do you feel like yourself, like as um, becoming a poet who's like traveling and, you know, editing books and doing all this stuff, do you feel yourself like intentionally trying to create an image for other people? To... Like you're always wearing a beret and snapping. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, yeah. but an image for people to understand like what your brand is easily and like book you for things? Or do you feel kind of divorced from that concept? He's punk. I, There's I, no way he cares about that. I don't know. That's I'm, why we're no. asking. Because he, he's also a professional. If you're trying to get paid, you got to manage your brand. So I, I do think it's a really interesting thing because obviously being punk would be like, it would be really lame to like. <laughs> well, I mean, even, even being punk is like, there is a look to it. There's a style. Right. There's kind of an edginess to it. Yeah. I think whatever subculture or what cultures you're in, there's always something to try to identify you as a certain way. Right. So like, are you intentionally now building an image or have you in the past? Um, I, I think when I was in high school, I definitely wanted to be like the skater, you know, um, you know, and that was, that was pretty much it. I've seen I, your Instagram. I, You're still trying to be a skater. <laughs> uh, well, I still ride skateboards. Yes, for sure. But I, um, I, I, I'm really like, I'm really bad at, um, at promoting myself at, at branding myself. Um, I think I, I'm sure with the book, um, I'll probably be more pushed into or described because you know like when you sell books or when people want to um you know bring you out i think that would be an easy descriptor um but it's not like when i read my stuff it's not like i'm i'm yelling punk lyrics or anything like that or that i'm writing about how the system is fucked and man you know like that uh or you know so so it's uh because i i think i i'm i'm more known for being like uh probably like a funnier a funnier poet um and not an asshole uh that has that has helped me get books quite a bit <laughs> yeah it's nice yeah um so you are yeah, wearing so a backwards like, hat so we were a little confused well, that's, I was supposed to go get a haircut and then I had to quarantine. <laughs> so here I am with a backwards cap on trying to explain to y'all why I'm dressed like a, like a 16 year old, yeah, I you guess. you look like a um, skater. It's working for you, but it does work for him. Elizabeth, what about you? Are you like uh, consciously building your brand? I feel like my look is just like aging mom like I, I feel like I feel like I don't I, think that is I, accurate I, at you all say that you always that is that like, Tim do you think cool. she looks like an aging mom you've got that because you know you've got like the you know like obviously like the uh you know like the roller derby history right. like yeah. the uh, so I guess what would be the way to yeah. say it like the the, bad the, bitch. Reform, the reformed bad <laughs> yes biatch yeah, yeah. no, uh, no you, you, like you there is a there is a toughness about you, you know. Like there's a you know like I don't know like when you do roller derby and you <laughs> and you smile as you as you toss people around, you know. There is there is there is some um, 
you know, like there's that that spirit of it. But then there's also that like punk rock spirit of it as well. You know, like I remember those early. Tim's making me blush. Like, I'm starting to twirl my hair. Yeah, she like loves this. <laughs> but I just want to say I'm, that Elizabeth has- I'm won- a real Jeffrey in that yeah. way. I'm a yes. real Jeffrey. Thank you. I just want to say Elizabeth yeah. has 100% said to me directly, being a mom is not part of my brand. It is. It's not. <laughs> I, that's why I feel like I keep screwing it up. Like, I feel like I'm not doing it right. Like, I Which wanna, part? I want to be like cool and kind of dark, but I like- I mean, you I'm are. like kind of joyful and- Well, you're that too, but you definitely have a bad bitch vibe. I mean, I I just, I personally thought this book was interesting just in the fact that like Jessica is clearly on a journey to like create an image of herself to sell to other people, you know? And I think as artists, right? Like you have to, at some point, like figure out what your lane is, you know, and what you're selling for people to like figure out if they want to, you know, read your work or buy what you're doing. Like e- easily be categorized. Right. Like, and, and I don't know if that's good or bad. I just, I felt that I identified with Jessica's journey to like create something to like stand out, I guess. I, I think when, obviously there's people who do it and they do it well and, and that's great. But I think that, you know, f- with this, it was almost like if you, try to i i think we always see like the the intentionality and like the and like the reasons behind it and that if it seems forced and if it seems uh disingenuine i think that people will ultimately like you'll get like some response but i think ultimately it'll be a it'll be bullshit you know and yeah. i think that's kind of what elizabeth realized is that yeah at her high school it was a big it was a big thing but then once you start to try to model for <laughs> her, her herman and schmutz or whatever that store was you know like people people see people see through that so right. that yeah like take a chance you know but like if you go so far as to turn your back on who you were, like who got you, you know, like the person you were the, yeah. to get you to that place and the people who got you to that place, then it's, it's ultimately, there's no foundation for it. It's going to fall apart. Yeah. Well, that's definitely when she starts making her frenemies. I mean, Jessica is the ultimate frenemy. For and sure. Adrian and I have just been discussing this, the idea of a frenemy, which for anyone who doesn't know is like somebody who's kind of your friend, but you always have this competition with them. And sometimes you kind of wish that they would just go away or like something terrible would happen to them. But you still kind <laughs> of are like, I like that person for some reason. It's like you still want to be thing. around them a little bit. Yeah. And we talked about it because what we think is that that term is used a lot when you're talking about female to female relationships. We don't hear a lot of that when you talk about male to male relationships. So did you have a frenemy? Do you have frenemies? If you have frenemies, tell me all about it. <clears throat> I feel like I, I feel like I, I mean, not now. I mean, now, like I've, I've called my friends, uh, you know, like I've, I've got the tight homies and, and I'm good. Um, but I feel like growing up, I, oh yeah, I feel like it was all, it was all frenemies. Cause I grew up on, I grew up on a block. It was all where frenemies. <laughs> it was all frenemies. I mean, we were always uh, uh, like, we were like horrible children. Like we were, I mean, we, we would turn on each other like that, like to, you know, like, if I talk shit about you, then these other really better people will let me hang out with them. Yeah, that guy sucks. <laughs> you know, 
Life was tough in Lyons, like, Illinois. Yeah. <laughs> it was. We were, we were, yeah, it was, it lines with a Y, baby. It was, uh, there's mean streets. Um, but yeah, we, you know, like, yeah, no, we definitely had it. And then in, when I first got into doing performance poetry, it was a lot of that. It was a lot of, you know, people who you liked and, and, or people that you'd see at shows and, and you, you know, and you talk to. And then, uh, they would probably be talking shit about you, you know, behind your back a little bit. And some of those, and most of those people either, and, and it goes both ways. Like, you know, I wouldn't talk shit behind your back, but I'd, I'd, I'd probably write something on live journal about you. And, uh, but yeah, no, like it would, there was, there was definitely that until people realized like it's poetry slam. Nobody <laughs> except for us gives a shit. So maybe we should just be friendlier to each other. So I think that's yeah. a really great point because I think creatives and like frenemies and creative worlds is like a serious thing, don't you? I mean, I do. I was just trying to get Tim to tell us a good story about a frenemy that he stabbed in the back. <laughs> oh, uh, Baz J.W. Basillo was in a poetry slam and it was the finals and I wrote like, uh, uh, like a summary on Live Journal about the finals, and basically said that like it was good. Second poem, basically the same thing, you know. <laughs> and um, and he, you know, he like printed that out and put that above his writing desk, and what? would you know, like I don't know if he did that, but it had put my face on a <laughs> dartboard. Um, but you know, but it, it, you know, like because we, you, know, you just do like a me and both of us do dumb things and now we're like you know when you recognize how stupid you are and you recognize like that it's you know like there is no need for this type of conflict to exist then you you let it go and then then they become i th i think the people who i'm closest to now are people who i who were frenemies like back in the day like my buddy vince in high school i talked to two kids from high school like that's basically it and my buddy vince we fucking hated each other like we because <laughs> we were both like we both came in freshman year like hot like we you know i had an older brother so and he was cool so i was kind of riding that wave he was like a preppy <laughs> kid I was, I wrote his coattails. Uh, I wrote his coattails so hard. Uh, and then my buddy Vince was like this preppy kid. And then I had a really shitty end of my freshman year. He like all his cool friends basically like left him out. So we, instead of like joining forces and being like, Hey, you're in a bad spot. I'll be your friend. It was ah, I'm going to get you, motherfucker. Like, it was like that. And and we, like, he literally, he's like, he's like, man, he's like, I had a list of people who I would beat the shit out of if I could, and you were on the top of that list. And then I, you know, I stood up in his wedding. So we're we're cool. You know, it, it just happens. But, like, you have to have that moment of recognizing that you're just being stupid and, and you get past it. Um, if I don't like somebody that much, I, you know, I, I just choose not to spend energy on hanging out with them or following them on, you know, their social media or anything like that. So I, I definitely think that that is one of the greatest lessons in life is that you find out later in life that you only need a couple of friends. You don't really need a lot of people. Um, oh, I got a shitload of friends. I'm a really popular <laughs> dude. But what I'm saying is, uh, yeah, no, but they're good ones. They're good ones. Um, but one of the things that I have are constant coworker frenemies, Ooh. like people that I have to work with at the office, but I also secretly just hate a lot. Oh my God. They might listen to this because they think you like them. They don't. They won't listen to it because they're dumb. 
Oh my, oh my <laughs> God. Hey, so do, so you, angry. do you guys think that the warfare between frenemies, like between male frenemies and female frenemies is different? You know, I think like my sister had a really rough time with some frenemies. I mean, just vicious, just absolutely vicious uh, to each other. But I think that we knew about it because my sister wasn't afraid to tell my mom about it, to tell you know my dad about what's going on. Whereas when stuff wasn't going good with me, I I kept it all inside. Right. So I I think which is a you know can be a somewhat typical male response is to well I don't want to get emotional I don't want to you know I don't want I don't want to show weakness so I'm going to keep this you know, all inside. And so, you know, like my sister or, you know, women like her would be, you know, described as being, well, they're, they're just hysterical. It's like, no, they're just, you know, they have the courage to express the way they feel. And you still are harboring feelings because your dad didn't take you to Disney world when he said he would, when you were four years old and you haven't told him that yet. Now you're 45 and that shit's festering, you know? Yeah, well, I was the last thing I really wanted to talk to you guys about is like the moral of this book, right? Is that you should accept yourself as you are, right? Is it? Is it? (laughs) Sort of. I feel like the moral of this book is to um, steal your friend's clothes and then change your identity. Okay, well, let me rephrase. I think, you know, one of the big messages of like the wellness community or like, you know, the self-help community is that we have to accept ourselves as we are, right? But while also striving to be better. So how the fuck do you do that? Can you? I'll let Tim take this one. Yeah, Tim, what's up? I I have a hard, uh, I... so i keep going back to my extensive notes um and the last thing that i wrote was be horrible get what you want anyway and 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 i can't get past that like i i i you know like i i just think that there's Ah, like, yeah, like change is good. And and if you, you know, like, I think that, you know, like, you know, when people make dramatic changes and they, and they shed, I think it's, it's less of getting on a new persona as, as opposed to like shedding some of the baggage that they've, that they've had or some of the trauma that they've, you know, that they're, they're going to try to let go. Um, I don't see that happening with these young ladies. I I feel (laughs) like when she says like, I, the problem, uh, like Elizabeth had this problem, like, you know, she was trying to figure it, you know, trying to talk to her sister about the modeling thing. And it says the problem was that she would have to admit she made a mistake. And it's like, really? That's the problem? <laughs> Listen, That's- I've been married, I've been married to, to a man for, for like 17 years and it is definitely a problem. <laughs> Because he's always wrong, and I am never, and it always ends up being a point of contention. So I really appreciated that moment, Tim. Well, I'm divorced, so I'd go yeah. with I'd go with yours. Yeah, I'd, I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd go with yeah. We'd go with your insight on that one. <laughs> I wanted to thank you so much for coming on, listeners. We have another segment coming up, but we just wanted to let Tim go. But before we do, is there anything that you wanted to plug? Is there any way that you know any websites that we can direct our listeners to? You've been such a great Obviously time. for the Skater Boy Instagram content. Yeah, yeah. Follow me at uh at, at skaterboy78. Uh, 
And that's B-O-I. Uh, Obviously. No. Uh, on, on all the social medias, I'm, uh, I'm Tim Stafford78. Um, and so you can, you can find me there. Instagram is where you'll see my, my pictures. Uh, Twitter is where I, you will see me appear once a week when I think I'm funny. And then, uh, <laughs> and then it turns out that I'm not. Uh, and then I go to Facebook. So uh, that'll, yeah. So I'm on those. My MySpace page is sick. Uh, it's really cool. <laughs> Uh, wow, you could, I, I got a bunch of you. I got you. I'll put you guys in my top friends. So yes. Fun. And then uh, the Twitchy Traveler is the uh, podcast that uh, that I'm working on, where we uh, where we interview folks who travel for who do a lot of traveling for uh, non traditional purposes. We've we've you know we've interviewed uh, some some poets, uh, professional wrestler, uh, a world air guitar champion, uh, and so we are putting together some of those episodes and uh, they'll be, av- be available uh, through uh, Shame the Devil Media where all podcasts and streaming services are sold. No, that doesn't make <laughs> sense. But wherever you, stream, wherever you stream shit, that's where you can, yeah. that's where you can get it. Hey, um, Elizabeth, I just want to say, I think Tim is a great white guy. I don't think he mansplained anything to us. Do you? No, and he took extensive notes. He listened to us. He didn't interrupt us when we were speaking. Wow. I know. I didn't know that these kind of men could exist. Tim, Tim, I'm in love. Amazing. Bud. Yeah. I need. I yeah. I can't wait for this to come out so I can uh, I can play this for my girlfriend who has been uh, quarantining with me since this pandemic, and uh, has to deal with uh, with all my other uh, shit. So right. that so will she's make her. Gonna be like, uh-huh. I, I, yeah, she'll have some. She'll she's got extensive notes as well, so she'll pass those along for another for another episode. But thank you very much. The, the, yeah, no, this has been a blast. I can now say that I've read a a Sweet Valley High novel uh, back to front, and I just want to say that I read this on election day, uh, and it was the best. It was <laughs> the absolute best thing to take if you are stressed out if you have something on your mind read one of these books because you'll be (laughs) so angry yeah Yeah, and you'll be like what no Uh, like come on like this no you can't be doing this uh read one of these books and it will it will uh take your mind off of all the horrible things uh that are happening in the world so thank you thank you for for giving me that gift brought you this joy and 100 percent, the time you were reading that book you're like these are definitely trump supporters yeah (laughs) oh Oh, no doubt. No doubt. I was like this, these, the, or the red, at the red Fiat. That's when I was like, nah, they are. Yeah. No. And they, yeah, nah, I, I'll, I'll stop. Cause I'm going to go re- really, really far off, but no. Yeah. Yeah. Jessa Fields. Anybody who changes yeah. their names from Jessica <laughs> to Jessa Fields. It's a, yeah. they're, 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 they're they, they'd be the next spokesperson. Jessa Fields is at the podium to talk about why Trump won't leave. Yep, definitely. (laughs) On that note, thanks, Tim. You've been amazing. Thank you very much. Peace. Okay, Elizabeth, I'm super excited because now we're going to welcome our good friend Zane, who is an English professor and a writer and an amateur astrologer from New Mexico. And she's going to teach us all about Wakefield astrology because all we know is that the Wakefield twins are Geminis, which we already know are crazy bitches. So Zane, tell us what's up. 
Well, so I consider myself like at least semi-pro astrologer, right? Just for the record, I got to right. get that out there. <laughs> Not an um, amateur. My yeah. bad. Give us my credit. credit <laughs> if, there, if you saw this on video, you would see her straightening her astrology papers. <laughs> Have my papers. So, um, so what I did was I, I looked up, you know, I looked up their birthday, which is, is June 13th. No, and then the year unclear. When I was messing around, I said like seventy-seven. I don't know. I figure like they're older than me because they were in high school when I was reading the books, and I was in middle school. I don't know. Un- unclear, right? About we're gonna give it to you. Birth year. So one thing that's interesting, just off the bat, is that June thirteenth, Gemini, of course. Donald Trump's birthday is June fourteenth. Obviously, Ooh, yeah, makes sense. Which, you know, the other thing about the Trump uh, outgoing administration, there's lots of Gemini's, Rudy Giuliani, like they're just covered up in Gemini. So the Wakefield oh, Giuliani twins, is a Gemini? Yeah, like May 28th. Yeah. Oh, Gemini's God. are fucking chaotic and the June Gemini's are even... Except for the Gemini's that are on the, who listen to the Wakefield podcast. You guys are perfect. Yeah, but <laughs> No, you know what? Know Gemini's love, they love being chaotic. Don't, you don't have to pander to them. Like, they're like, yeah, we know. <laughs> Or like they're half mad and they're half like, she's right. Yeah. So you don't have to worry. <laughs> I, I apologize to Gemini's. I love Duncan on them. So um, most of what I'm getting my stuff from is, is from this book called um, The Secret Language of Relationships. And it's um, in, in my English depar- department, we call it the wizard book. And that, oh. that has its own origins and you don't need to worry about it. But so in this book, it breaks down each week and it gives them names. So oh, shit. The, the twins, their week is the week of the seeker. So the week of June 11th through 18th, that's the week of the seeker. So I took two of those, right? So we have, we have Jessica and Elizabeth, right? Like to see how they would get along. And the, the book sort of gives each relationship a title and theirs is being cool. (laughs) This sounds good. Jessica likes this. So then it's like, there's, there's three positive things and three negative things. So like we have adventuresome, which yes, they're very adventuresome. Uh, They're going to get in convertibles with relative strangers and go to bars. Definitely. Um, Freedom loving, same thing. Survivalist, which is an important trait. And then um, sort of negative traits there would be endangering, suppressive, and overly cool, which I don't know how you can be too cool. (laughs) I, mean, I, cool. I do know how you could be too cool. Well, because you are? Oh. Personal experience. Oh, okay. All right. So I mean, are... literally, Adrian had to put on a jacket because I'm that cool. Wow. <laughs> Sounds like a real cuspy Capricorn type thing to say. But oh, we'll get to shit. She knows your number. <laughs> Forgot I sent her your Plus birthday, baby. girl. Let's go on. Move on. So... So for the, for the twins, their ideal relationship is risky work. And this, like, I've never seen this in this book, risky work. Yeah. Like, w- that's wild. And then it's challenging for, for conventional marriage. So it's a good thing that they're not getting married to each other. And overall, they hate rules. They're yes. very independent. And they, as siblings, are going to have a lot of problems, which is very interesting. Accurate. And mm-hmm. even... Even more fascinating in this book, another thing that I've never seen, so it breaks down each relationship, like friends, lovers, marriage, work. So in the family section, it says, um, such a pair 
even when they are twins, should be given as much possible that is theirs alone and that they do not have to share. So Todd, that was really problematic, right? There's no sharing between Elizabeth and Jessica. <laughs> but it says such a pair, even when they are twins. And I was like, they are twins. How did you know this wizard book? Anyway. Well, and the book that we just read for this episode, Jessica dyes her hair brown because she can no longer be a twin. I mean, astrology is fucking real. That's what we're learning. Real. And there's another new boyfriend that they cannot share. Jeffrey no, no sharing. For French <laughs> kissing. Um, do you have anything you want to tell us about Elizabeth? This Elizabeth Gomez? Yes. Okay. So this Elizabeth, <laughs> this Elizabeth, Elizabeth Gomez, your week is the week of, of mystery and imagination. Oh, shit. Because you're a little cuspy situation, right? Because, yes. you know. Um, and like, if we were going to put you and the twins together, like the title of your relationship would be a marriage of true minds. Oh, what? I have told her over and over and over again that she is a Jessica. But there are two twins that are completely different. Yeah. But you're best friends with them. You are their third triad. You are the triangle. You are the peak. Zane is nodding. She knows it's true. I'm a Robin Wilson. Yeah. (laughs) You're sense. Enid. I would definitely eat two cheeseburgers. <laughs> <laughs> so, like I said, you know, ideal for marriage. So, you know, and then challenging for love, which is like a little weird. I guess, you know, maybe the best marriages aren't necessarily rooted in love. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it's just what the paper says. So, like, so like your keywords here would be innovative, diverse, and mental, which again, mental, that yes. doesn't sound great, but... That's correct. Um, <laughs> totally correct. And uh, on the on the negative side, superficial, bored, and avoiding. So yes, oh, yes I am correct. Far. Don't put a piece of like paperwork for me to fill out for anything, because that kill, yep. that creates the worst type of boredom for me. And then I end up like having my bank account retracted. Correct. <laughs> I've seen right. it. <laughs> so like it's <laughs> when it, talking about work and family relationships, um, bored easily. These two will always try to innovate, which may well lead them afoul of authority figures who are only interested in results. So rebels, 100%. I love it. I'm into it. Did yeah. you do one for Adrian? I did. Oh, and I forgot to say this earlier and it's really essential. Do you know who else are twins who have their birthday on June 13th? Who? Mary Kate and Ashley. Oh, that makes total fucking sense. That's those are the modern Jessica and Elizabeth, obviously. And so was Laguna Perfect Beach. Perfect Americans, right? But no Laguna Beach without Sweet Valley. But tell me about my week, Zane. Okay, so Miss Gunn's week is the week of the loner. What? So, yeah, <laughs> and you know this. I have told you. I told you this before. So this is not like new. Um, and and the title of the relationship would be Peak Experiences, oh. which is very exciting. And I have to tell you, there's a little picture, and it's like three barrels with like a swordfish through one. So that seems like a peak <laughs> experience. Elizabeth's picture was like a turtle with a horse head on its back. They're also what? very wild. Wow, that's fucking know. witchy. Elizabeth's a little witchy. Also, I believe love it. Turtles. <laughs> Well, because her- she, she's saying that because she knows that I'm a Delta Zeta and our mascot is the turtle because once we're on our back, we're fucked. <laughs> Which is also what I like. Yeah. 
She does like it pretty missionary. Every day. Yeah. She likes it straight. She wants to come and then I just, go yeah. away. I'm, I'm just going to undo my robe, lay yes. down, close my eyes, maybe put a pillow over my face. Correct. It's like so yes. the best way. Yes. Just lay right. back and think of England, right? Yes. Like, so no, I don't even you know. want to think. I just want to like go to sleep while they're she's, doing it. She's missing that the crown <laughs> reference you just dropped there. But but go ahead. Tell me about more about me. Yeah. <laughs> Such a okay. three. <laughs> Such an Enneagram three. So, you know, the the loner here and and the seeker, right? The twins. So intense, self-actualizing, nature-loving, which I guess you kind of I remember that you used to love nature in Oregon, yeah. kind of. Yeah. Oh, she yeah. won't shut up yeah. about that. She's always like, Well, when I lived in Oregon, <laughs> but you don't anymore. You live in the city. <laughs> No more hiking for you. I love being with my closest friends. (laughs) Well, good. So the the negative words, closed, like closed. Um, Yes, I'm working on that in therapy literally right now. Hypercritical. Mm, Of myself, yes. Well, and in the relationship, right? This is with the twins. Okay. Oh, yeah, I'd be critical of them. Yes, for sure. Of course. Right. Look what they do. Um, and addictive. So I don't know. There's like an yeah. addictive thing there. Ideal yeah. for family, challenging for marriage. So Elizabeth should marry them. You should be their mentor. I don't know, not like. sister. It no, sounds like family. I should be like some Aunt. sort of judgmental mentor that would put them on the right path. The beginning of this is like fairly dramatic. On the surface of it, many problems could be in store for this couple. Weak of the of the loner people tend to uh, often dislike the aggressive attitude taken by weak of the seeker individuals, who mm-hmm. in turn are sometimes less than sympathetic to what they view as the withdrawal or hypersensitivity of the weak of the loner persons. Wow. Here's, but you know, Adrian loves to call people. Well, she used to love to call people. Uh, Oversensitive, oversensitive island. I think. Yes. So we got to, yes. you know, that's interesting. It's but the true. twins bring this out in you, I guess. So. I, it's probably true. Yeah. Zane, I uh, all the work you've put into this. This has been a great. This and is I've- my favorite fun and game segment. I think we've done, except for when we wrote our very own gay erotic fan fiction. <laughs> yeah. Again, such an anagram three. You're like, the best thing that we've done is what we've done. Well, no. <laughs> It was about what happens in the gay erotic fan fiction. But no, I mean, Zane put in an amazing amount of work. She's a super smart gal. I fucking love her. Yes, me too. Yeah. Well, tell us, is there any place that people can look for your astrological help? (laughs) (laughs) No. It's a strictly uh, consultation. But no, I'm just like an English professor. I sit in my office. Like, I don't have, you know, I keep my gifts hidden under a, a bushel basket or whatever, however that goes. So I'm very elusive. <laughs> I think that was what that was a quote from Cutting Edge when he says we don't want to hide your bushel under a basket and he's got the fucking draped fabric. Zane, you're a fucking star. You're we got to have you back. Yes. Thank you. I would love to be so back. Much. I love it. Yeah. Yay! I love you guys. Yay! Thanks so much. Thank you so much. We love you. <laughs> yeah. We'll let you We guys. love I love you too. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Wokefield and special thanks to our guest, Tim Stafford, punk rock poet and first straight white male on our show. Probably the last one. And we don't want to forget to thank our resident astrologer, Zane Beeble, for taking us on a Gemini journey. And of course, to the mythical Francine Pascal and all the uncredited ghostwriters who churned this shit out so we could read under the covers all night long. 
Come back next week when we'll be reading Wrong Kind of Girl, where we'll meet Sweet Valley slut Annie Whitman and make sure that bitch doesn't join the cheerleading squad because she is way too slutty for it. Slut, slut, slut. And hey, friends, follow Wokefield on Instagram at Wokefield Pod for all your Sweet Valley needs. And hey, rate and review us on your fave podcast app because just like Bruce Patman, we live for the applause. The applause, the applause, applause. Tell the truth and shame the devil.